Well, good evening, everybody. Thank you for joining us tonight. Uh, we're we're having a little technical difficulties. This is kind of our last try for tonight, but anyway, we're, we're going to give this a, one more try here. Uh, welcome to our Bible study. Have Everless Change by Andrew Womack. Uh, this is Lighthouse Discipleship Centers. This is Lighthouse Discipleship Centers. My name is Dave. This is my wife, Sherry. And uh, just so you know, all of our teachings are archived on our website at lighthousediscipleship.org as well as our YouTube channel. Lighthouse Discipleship Center. And so, um, if you've been following us, uh, you might have noticed we've taken the last couple weeks off, and uh, we apologize for that. We've just been a little tired. Uh, some of you don't realize we have other jobs, and by the time we came to evening, we were just too tired. We've been working a lot of extra hours over the last couple weeks, actually a couple months, and so uh, we just had a little tired. We're still on the tired side, but we're here back in the game, and so we're going to be picking up where we left off on Everless Change, Chapter 13. We were in the middle of the chapter last time we were together, and we're going to uh, just redo the chapter once again. Uh, let me just refresh this, especially those who are just joining us for the first time. Effortless change. It sounds like an odd title. and you know what I, How can you change yourself effortlessly? And we're talking about God changing us from the inside out versus us trying to change ourselves outwardly from the outside in. If you're trying to change yourself religiously, you're going to fail, and even if you succeed, you're going to be boasting of what you did. We're all about change, but uh, one way I like to compare this is uh, between a Christmas tree and a fruit tree. A Christmas tree, although beautiful and we love Christmas trees, we a Christmas tree is usually adorned with things that are not of nature. <coughs> Excuse me, a lot of people put Christmas lights and bulbs and, and uh, tinsel and all kinds of different decorations on a Christmas tree. But that Christmas tree didn't grow those things. Uh, it, it, it was decorated with something that's not its nature. Whereas a fruit tree, like an apple tree or a peach tree, it grows true fruit from the inside out. And when we, want, we want God's genuine change, God to change us by His Word, by His Spirit. Uh, Jesus said the words that speak to you that are spirit and life. And we want God and His nature to change us from the inside out. And not the outside in. We're all about change. And sometimes when, you know, if I get into a, a discussion or a disagreement with uh, someone who disagrees with that, you know, we're both about change. Where we differ is on how we change. Some of us think we change ourselves. You cannot control the flesh by the flesh. And that, that, is, that, <laughs> that is just insanity. And so, uh, but you can change from the inside out. You can be changed by His glory. You can be changed from the inside out. We were born again when we received Jesus Christ, but we need to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Effortless change is based on the, the parable that Jesus teaches in Matthew, Mark, and Luke we call the parable of the sower. Jesus said, regarding the parable of the sower, that this is the parable of all parables. If you can't understand this parable, you can't understand any of the parables. So this, it behooves us to understand the parable of the sower because it's the key to understanding all the parables of Jesus. Okay? And so when we talk about the parable of the sower, we have the sower sowing seed, the word of God, on four different kinds of soil. You have the pavement, you have the, 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 the stony soil, you have the thorny soil, and then you have the good soil. We all want to be that good soil, and uh, there's different ways, I think, of looking at that, that verse and that, or that parable. You know, uh, and uh, at the same point in time, we know that the, 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 the Word of God is a seed. And when you read the parable, 
it will tell you that all four types of soil, even the, the seed that fell, excuse me, the soil, just so you know, is our hearts, it's our minds. In the, in the parable of the sower, it says that all four kinds of soil heard the word of God. Excuse <coughs> me, right? Only the seed that fell in the good soil heard it and understood the word of God. So in one sense of the word, it's not enough to hear the word. And I'm not excluding that because you can't understand something you don't hear. But it's important that we not only hear the word, but we understand the word. You know, Jesus told, never told us to go make converts. He told us to go make disciples of all nations. A disciple is a disciplined learner. A disciple and a, a disciplined learner are almost, a, I mean, a disciple is a disciplined learner. But in the, in the Greek, the word disciple and discipline are almost identical. And so, you know, and you don't become a disciplined learner overnight. In other words, you don't learn it. You don't understand something overnight. There's some diligence to it. There's some, we have to study to show ourselves approved. Okay? At the same point in time, you know, there's a starting point, and that's when we receive Jesus Christ. When you receive Christ, became born again, you didn't understand everything. In the, in, the, in the same manner, when you became born and you came out of your mother's womb, you didn't understand everything. You had to learn things. And you had to mature. And we need to mature. And the, the more that you mature, the more you are grounded in God's word, the more uh, uh, stable you're going to be, and the more fruitful you're going to be in your life. Okay? But the parable that fell on the, on the stony soil... It specifically says that they didn't understand the word of God, and this enemy came and stole that seed from them. Well, here in chapter 13, we're focusing on being rooted and established. I just love that concept, because as a pastor, I want people not just to hear the word. I want people to be rooted and established in who they are in Christ, established in righteousness, established in the word of God, established in, 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 in the local church. And there's so many different ways I can talk about being established. You know, the early church, it says that they were steadfast in the apostles' doctrine, to the breaking of bread, to prayer, and uh, um, fellowship. I got those out of order, but I got all four of them. They were steadfast in those things. And we need to be rooted and grounded. We need to be rooted and established. And so that's what this chapter 13 is talking about. As we're talking about effortless change, change that comes from the inside out, we need to be rooted and established in God, in Christ, His Word, in the Spirit of God. And so, anyway, enough introduction. Let's get back into the into the swing of things. I don't know if you want to say anything before we get started. I do. You know, Dave um, has started a, a message. Actually, uh, today was his fourth in the series that he's on now on Sunday mornings about being established um, in... in uh, the blessings of God and today he mentioned something I mean it, it's all good and I highly recommend it but he he quoted a verse uh, Galatians 2 20 I believe it was I have been crucified with Christ it's no longer I who live but Christ lives in me and the life which I now live in the flesh I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And the reason why I am bringing that up to go with effortless change is we, as a, 
a whole as the body of Christ, we don't realize that this effortless change comes because of Christ in us. When when we read God's word and let it bear fruit, as we you know study more of, of this parable in, in Andrew's book, the parable that he uh, is speaking on from the Bible, this effortless change is all because of, of Jesus in us. You know, Dave's been explaining how it's changed from the inside out, not the outside in. And, you know, when we try it by the flesh, if you read in, in Romans, you know, it, it's detrimental to, to live by the flesh, but we are to walk by the Spirit. Well, how do we walk by the Spirit? I believe that's, uh, that's why we highly recommend Andrew Womack's book, book effortless change because we can get so frustrated with ourselves in not changing and always failing miserably and letting our flesh take over and you know I remember growing up and people would always comment I need more patience I need to pray for patience and then they would come back saying don't pray for patience because when you pray for patience all these all these situations come in where it's trying your patience and you just uh, it, it's just bad but then i got the revelation uh, partly through my own walk with the lord and partly through good teaching by andrew and, and different good bible teachers is that because the holy spirit is in me because i am a believer i have all the fruit of the spirit patience being one of them so in any situation, I can have patience. I don't have to pray or strive for it. I already have it, but I need to acknowledge that good fruit in me. And that goes with this effortless change. When we walk by the Spirit, when we let God's Word into our heart and let it grow and mature and bear fruit, then we're going to see such amazing results. You know, when I married Dave, I thought he was awesome. I mean, he just—I <laughs> fell in love with him right away. He was back, you know, over 21 years ago. Godly man. I thought he was good looking. It just—he was like the the perfect one for me. But as I've been married to him, I've seen his walk with the Lord and him being in God's Word and letting the Spirit change him from the inside out. I've seen tremendous growth in him, and I use him as an example because I live with him. I've seen the, the good change in him because of his relationship with God and letting the word bear fruit in him. And, you know, it's just, you know, I'm, <coughs> excuse me, I'm just sharing that because we are studying Andrew's book on effortless change, and on my own, I can get so frustrated and feeling like a failure but when I acknowledge that it's Christ in me, the hope of glory, the one that's helping me live out any situation, how he would have me, letting the word of God take root in my heart and bear fruit, like in, in John 15, you will have that effortless change. All right. Well, let's get into the text this morning, I mean this evening. Uh, and so, rooted and established. When I first started in ministry, this is Andrew speaking, I thought that the results were <coughs> all dependent on me. I thought if I just ministered the word properly, every person who sat under my ministry would be totally changed. 
So I put a tremendous amount of effort into seeking the Lord, making sure I understood the truth correctly and was clear and anointed in saying it. Then during the late 1970s, I did a circuit of six Bible studies a week in three different states, Oklahoma, New Mexico, and Colorado. I would teach the exact same truth in each one of these Bible studies, trying to keep the people growing at the same rate and on the same page spiritually. I'd preach my heart out and see one person with an incurable disease, disease receive the word and be totally healed and set free. Yet the person sitting next to them would fall asleep in the study and not get a thing out of it. One person would look bored to death, while the next would be getting their life changed by the revelation they were receiving. After a while, my lightning fast mind began to figure out that it couldn't be my efforts producing these different results. These people were all sitting in the same service and hearing the exact same words. Everything from me was the same, yet one person was transformed while another fell asleep. One was healed while the other was bored. How could all of these things be happening from the same ministry of the word? Then I began to realize that it's not the word that I speak, but it's the condition of people's hearts that makes the difference. I've personally witnessed this first type of person that Jesus described. I've preached my heart out, but the word of God goes in one ear and out the other. It's like this type of person has no heart for or understanding of the word whatsoever. I quit taking that personally. I've realized that it's not the way I speak. It's just the way people hear. You know, I've seen that so too in our, our ministry at those different levels. I've seen it on social media like Facebook. I've seen it on, uh, you know, just, you know, in, in, a, in, a, in a church gathering, in a small Bible study. I have seen one person is just, I mean, they're just gun ho they're getting things, they're receiving things, you know, and it's changing their lives, whereas the person sitting right next to them is just bored sick, you know, and so, uh, you know, how can that be? Well, you know, why is it being fruitful for one person, but it's, uh, it's just fall, it's like uh, a, a water on a duck's back to the next person, you know, and I can't take that personally. It's, it's, it's not the word that makes the difference in that case. It's a, it's, a, it's a heart. If you're not ready to receive, you know, you can go to a church, you can listen to a pastor, you can scroll through Facebook and come across my teaching or another pastor for that matter. And depending on what filter you have on, you can either just bypass that pastor and don't listen to one thing they say. You might have an attitude. Maybe you don't like the tie they're wearing. Maybe you don't like their grace. Maybe you don't like how, you know, maybe they sound boring to you. Or maybe you don't like the subject matter that they're talking about. Maybe you don't agree with everything they're saying. Or you can be like, you're just sucking it up. You're ready to hear. You're ready to listen. You're ready to, 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 to receive. And you do. You know, it's the soil. It's your heart whether you're able to receive. Now, I'm not saying that it doesn't matter what's being taught. It does matter what's being taught. But that's not the only part of the equation. It also matters whether you are willing to receive or not. You know, I believe as a pastor, just like Andrew and just like myself and others, I, I should be studied up. I should be prepared. And I should be uh, listening to the Holy Spirit to teach and whatnot, relying on Him. But I also know that in order for you to receive, you have to receive it. I can't receive it for you. I can teach it to you. I can create an environment for you. You know, we have so many people that, that come to us and, and they like our teachings and they're asked like, 
Pastor Dave, will you teach us? I am teaching you. You know, will, will you teach our, ch our church? Yes, I will. We have a whole line of Bible studies and teachings on our, in our, in our, um, on our website and YouTube channel. I know some of them want me to come to bed right now. I'm not traveling, so uh, that's not possible. But I can teach you in many different ways. You know, we, we're reaching over 10,000. Last I checked, uh, I was checking it yesterday, we're reaching almost 11,000, 12,000 people now every week. You know, it's just growing. And so uh, we are teaching and we are reaching people. Uh, you know, I'm not saying that there's not other things we can do. In this season, we can't because we're working. And uh, we're not making much money through this ministry right now. So we have to work. Paul, one time, time did tent making so that he could do the work of the ministry. And I'm not going to go on that rabbit trail right now. But, you know, it's up to you whether you want to receive it. Uh, you know, I know we're teaching. I'm not saying we're the best, but we are teaching our best. I know that we are doing our, giving our heart. We're true to everything we're doing. And I, I you know, but at the same point in time, I can't receive it for you. I also, <coughs> excuse me, I also can't reject it for you by not teaching it. And so, you know, it's the Holy Spirit that's going to have to do the work. But at the same point in time, you have to receive. Same thing if I want to go listen to Andrew or some other preacher. I'm going to have to be willing to, 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 to listen and receive. You know, that person can't learn it for me. I, they can teach it to me. They can have the environment, to that, a good teaching environment for that to take place. But I have to receive it. I have to to attend to it. And so, uh, anyway, we, both as a teacher and a student, we have to understand that. You know, you can get it, put me in the classroom. Uh, let's just say 30 or 100 kids, you know, uh, I can reach some of those kids. I might not reach all of them because the teacher is not the only uh, part of the equation. If the student is not willing to learn, listen and learn, and you know, there's not there's enough. There's not, the teacher can only go so far. And so, uh, anyway, anything you want to add? No, I, and I know a lot of times filters are what keeps us us from receiving. But also cares of this world, you know, listening to Dave and, and Andrew, you know, my, my dad uh, is a pastor and we grew up going to church uh, Sunday morning, Sunday night, midweek service. And I have five siblings, three brothers, two sisters besides myself. And we're all adults now. We all have families of our own. But each one received on their different soil of their heart different. I'm the only one in ministry, and that's not the criteria for believing God. You, you don't have to be a pastor or teacher or <coughs> evangelist in you know the fivefold ministry to uh, walk with the Lord. You, you can be. Uh, stay-at-home mom. You could be a retired, uh, you know, elderly person who has a strong faith. I mean, you could be bed-bound. You could be working seven days a week. It, it doesn't matter as far as if you're in in actual ministry or not. But each one of my siblings and I, at, as we've grown up in the house where my parents taught us the Word of God, I'm really the only one walking with the Lord and there's different reasons why my siblings are or are not 
Um, and, and I'm not bringing this out uh, to condemn or judge. I'm just using my example. And I, I, don't, I personally could not live without God. The scariest thing in life to me is someone going to hell because that is a place without God. And as much as this world is horrible right now with sin and, and just stupid stuff, I'd rather live in this world now and have Jesus than be in hell without Jesus because that is the most horrendous thing to me. But I can't, I can't live a day without God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit and that relationship I, I have with them and just relying on them and you know I, I know I'm not <laughs> I know I'm not perfect but it's scary to think of living a, a, this hard life without them without a relationship without having the Word of God uh, put in my heart and you know there's times when Dave and I have been busy or there's something going on in life or whatever so we might you know go a, a day with, without uh, really being in in the word of God but because we are walking with him and praying and meditating on it and, and I'm not advocating not reading the Bible no I'm read the Bible read the Bible read the Bible read his word get it in you but I, what I'm trying to get at is I have a strong enough relationship with the Lord where he will still help me through uh, my day and I'm still putting on Bible teachers I'm still putting on worship music I'm still talking to him all because I rely on him so much to get me me through my day and when when I'm not in his word I feel it I physically feel uh, just uh, it's almost like going with, without food or, or water. You, you, your body physically feels it. I know Dave thinks this is silly, but if I don't eat fruits and vegetables um, because of like our schedule or something, I'm like, man, I crave having the, the nutrients of those fruits and vegetables in me. And he's like, I want chocolate. And I'm like, I want some vegetables. And he thinks I'm weird, and I don't think he's weird because I like chocolate too. But, but my spiritual body, my spiritual spirit, it hungers and thirsts for the Word of God, just like a physical body uh, wants food. And I notice the lack when I'm not in God's Word. You know, we were talking the other day. Can't remember. It was yesterday, but. There's, I was making a point on how, maybe it was today, doesn't matter. There are people who know that God's, God heals, they believe he heals, but they're not taking his word and soaking in it and renewing their mind in it. They're like, well, I know he does, but I really hope he heals me. And then there's other people who are in the word and they're like, I know God heals. His word says so. I'm not taking anything else because I know he does. I know he does. I know he does. He has healed me through Jesus. And the testimonies that we uh, recommend from, from Andrew's uh, healing journeys 
all of these people have taken God's word and said, nothing else is going to move me from this rock. It's like that game, King of the Mountain, where you, you try to be the, the one on, on top of this hill and anyone comes after you, you know, if you knock the person down that's on top of the hill, then you're the next king of the hill. But these people are king of the hill and nothing will knock them down from believing that God heals and they are healed. They have that testimony. And when we get this effortless change in us, we can be that king of the hill. Hmm. Well, good stuff. Well, let's keep reading. Now, where is your focus? <clears throat> are you, <coughs> excuse me, are you one of those folks who say, I never get anything out of the messages at church? This may not be the fault of the person who's speaking. It could be the way you're hearing, or should I say, not hearing. It might have to do with whether or not you're opening up your heart and really desiring to know those truths. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Matthew 5, 6. Does this describe the way you view God's word? More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Psalm nineteen ten. If you get to where you want to know the truth of God's word more than you crave food, more than you desire wealth, you'll get it. The problem is that most of us only want this every once in a while. Maybe once a week or once a month we have a little twinge or desire for five or ten minutes where we'd like to understand and be operating in more spiritually. But then we get occupied with everything else in life and that desire fades. If that's the way you are, you aren't ever going to have this understanding. God isn't the one who determines the condition of your heart. You are. It basically just boils down to where your focus is. If you are focused on the Lord and you're hungry and seeking after him, you will be filled. Matthew 5, 6. But if you're one of the, this first type of people depicted in this parable, the word of God just doesn't mean anything to you. You can hear it and it's gone before you even think about it. You just can't seem to retain God's word. It's not time for you to pray it's not time for you to pray and ask God to speak louder. It's time for you to change your heart and start focusing on the things of the Lord. Yeah, it's just so true. I don't know if I can say it much better than the way Andrew just painted the picture. Where's your focus? You know, and, there, and there's so many people, that, uh, there's a lot, and, and don't get me wrong, there are people who are hungry, there are people who are sincere, but in my experience in ministry, about 20 to 20% of the people that we will minister to are really hungry for God's word, 80% are not. And about 20% of people will do all the work and 80% won't. You know, but at the same point in time, I'm not so worried about percentages. It's just, there's just some people that we try to minister to, and maybe there's some people you're trying to minister to. Maybe they're fam family and friends or whatever, but they're just not focused. They're not, they're not interested. You know, and, you know, you can't, minister effectively to somebody who's just not interested in listening. You just can't. It's like with any other topic or subject or vocation or whatever. If they're not interested, they're just not interested. You know, there's some, I'm trying to give some examples, but there's probably some things I do, like on the computer, some things that I thought would be fun to share, show Sherry, and she's great at some many things that she does. Uh, you know, but there's just some topics or subject matter she's just not interested in. 
So why spin the wheels on that subject? Then another another now I can flip the coin. There's some things that she does that I'm just not interested in. And I'm just using this example. This is not to put down on either one of us, but we all have things that we're just not interested in. You know? I mean you can take me to go work out. And I probably should work out. I am so out of shape, you know? I mean, I know I could work out. I know it would be good for me. But I'm just not interested, <laughs> you know. Uh, I think there's more creative ways for me to get in shape and a lot better than and to go run on a treadmill going nowhere, you know. Uh, I mean, uh, I don't, it, there's no thrill in it for me, but a lot of people, and a lot of people are very interested in, in going to a gym or whatnot. And so, I know a lot of you are thinking I'm weird, and okay, I'm weird. And so... <clears throat> you know, but I'm just looking at that as an example. You know, it's just a, I'm just not that interested. You know, I'm interested in getting a little bit in shape. I'm not a little, a little interested in the process. And and, and I understand that. I, I, and doesn't mean I won't go to a gym someday or whatnot. Because I am, I am, I, you know, if I'm going to have the result, I'm going to have to do something. But that doesn't mean I'm going to really enjoy going to the gym, even if I do go to the gym. If not, I know it's not going to be the highlight of my life and the highlight of my day. It's not. It's going to be something I'm going to be dragging my heels to go do. Um, but doesn't mean I won't have to do it. It's just I'm not interested. You know, uh, there's some topics. You know, sometimes when we get around some family and some friends, the topics they want to talk about, I'm just not interested. Yet they're not interested in talking about what I really want to talk about either. You know, and so it's it just mutual. And so and so it's like. If you're not interested in talking about God and the Bible, then what's the point of, of bringing it up in one sense? You know, uh, because they're just not interested. Now, there's some people that do like talking about Bible and God. I mean, I we met a, a, a new friend a few years ago, and uh, I mean, I would just met him in the foyer, and he wanted to talk about righteousness. Well, righteousness is like my favorite topic. My wife could hear me on the other side of the church talking about righteousness because someone just... Uh, Someone just yanked my chain, and uh, I mean, it was just like it was the right thing to talk about, and uh, for me. But you know, I, I'll talk all day and night about certain topics. <coughs> Some people, if I start talking about it, they're just gonna be bored. They're like, hey, "Man, is it time to eat yet?" You know, type of thing. I'm just trying to paint different pictures. You know, as ministers, we're trying to minister to certain people. You know, if you're not interested. And like I like how he ended it here. Um, it's not time for you to. Let's back it up here. You can hear it and it be gone before you ever think about it. You can just seem. You just can't seem to retain God's word. It's not time for you to pray and ask God to speak louder. It's time for you to change your heart and start focusing on things God. Some of you, because of your appetite, if you will, for God. It's not time for you to pray for God to do something. It's time for you to open up your heart to receive. Okay? So many times we are asking God to move and He's not the one stuck. We are. Okay? We're the ones stuck. God already moved on the cross. Receive what He's done. I'm not saying God's dead and He's just stagnant. But at the same point in time, many times we're, God, where are you? And He's not the one hiding. 
It seems like, you know, we only come to him when we're in trouble or something's going on. That's not a relationship. It's the only time I wanted the cherry to be around me is when I wanted to eat or, or serve or do my laundry or different things like that, you know. That's not a relationship. Do I appreciate some of the things she does? Yes, and I cook too. And, you know, I do some things around the house as well. But and uh, he, I think one time that's the only reason I wanted to get married. And you know, that's no relationship. Is God's only do the things for you? Does God want to do things for you? Absolutely. <coughs> but more importantly, He wants a relationship with you. And some of you, you want God to do stuff for you, but you are not interested in the relationship. In, in a sense, and we've used this analogy in the past, we've met a lot of people who expect God to either be like a genie in a bottle or Santa Claus, where you say this is what you want and you expect him to just pop down the chimney or, or out of the bottle and say, oh, of course, Master, here you go. Well, that's the wrong, wrong way to view uh, anybody. You don't just expect like your spouse or or, or God to uh, just say, you know, tell God to jump and He responds, "Well, how high?" You know, He He does want to bless us, but in Matthew six, in Jeremiah twenty nine, and other places, He says for us to seek Him first. You know, Matthew six thirty three, where did we need to seek Him first, His kingdom, His righteousness first. And all these things will be added to us. And, and Jesus was talking about, you know, the things that we need, the, the, the food that we need to, to eat, the, the clothes on our backs, shelter, different things. And He's saying, God already knows you need these things, so seek Him first. Don't seek Him say, hey, God, I need this. One, He already knows. He's God. But the other is, the, the most important thing for us is to be like, you know, the story of Mary and Martha. We are to be like Mary and sit at his at Jesus's feet and receive, and not be like Martha, who's letting the cares of this world distract her from receiving. You know, Matthew twenty nine eleven. We we all love it because. God says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and, and hope. But we usually stop there. But it, but it says in verse 12 and 13, Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. God is saying, I can't, I'm, I am waiting right here. I can be found. All you have to do is seek for me. You know, in the book of Revelation, Jesus stands at the door and knocks, but we don't just uh, sit on the, the chair and, and say, you know, come on in. We are to get up, go to the door, and open it for him so that, that he comes in. And that might be a funny way of describing it, but we're all expecting God to do the work while we sit like couch potatoes when God's saying, hey, I've done my work, but now there's a part for you to play. You know, in a marriage, it's not one-sided. Like Dave said, it's not one spouse sitting back while the other one is a slave and just meeting the needs when the other person wants them. A marriage is 
give and take. In one sense, it's not 50-50 or 25%, 75%. It's 100%, 100%. We both are to give 100%. God's already done his part at the cross. But so many times he's saying, hey, here you go, but I need you to meet me part way. I need you to receive you know, uh, one of the first special uh, speakers we had at the Bible college when we went, uh, Mark and Denise Abernathy, I've shared this before in some of the Bible studies, uh, they are awesome teachers of the Holy Spirit and uh, everything that goes along with the Holy Spirit. So, uh, you know, look them up on our, on our website for like-minded ministries, but... Denise was giving away product, uh, some of their books and tapes and things, <coughs> and she she held up uh, a teaching on the Holy Spirit, and she said, who wants this? And people all around the room were in their chair saying, me, me, me. Well, I got up and actually went up to her and like went like this, but she had it up here, and so... She didn't bring her head hand down like I was expecting. She she was she was waiting in expectation for something from me, but I didn't know at the time what it was. So I went back empty-handed to my seat. But I believe now, as I'm looking back to it, and she did uh, actually <coughs> give it to me, uh, and we've been able to share it with other people because uh, they just have a, a gift in that in that area but I believe she was expecting me to not just hold out my hand but to reach out and take it and sometimes that's what God's saying he's like here I have a banqueting table for you but if you don't go over to the table and sit down and start eating I'm not going to force feed you and I get this is me talking and not God he's a lot more gracious than I am at times I can be pretty blunt but we <coughs> We have a part to play. We need to take God's word and prepare our soil, our heart, so that we can receive. We need to be in, in anticipation. We need to be in God's word and expect. And I really, we need to get back to the study. I feel like I, I'm going to go off on okay. tangents. But part of that heart process is and I know Andrew will get more into it uh, as he as he goes along each of the different soils and explains it like how it happened in his life but uh, there's a part we play you know a farmer doesn't just uh, see the ground over there on his property and be like okay see there you go and he turns and walks away you know we in the area we live in it's a lot of uh, farms around town and we've seen them I mean anytime we, we take a drive we're seeing the farmers out there they are preparing the soil they are uh, picking the, the, the produce the harvest they are irrigating they are doing different things shielding some plants from the Sun watering more over here watering less over here they we've seen fields where they will grow one thing, that comes to harvest, they pick that harvest, they prepare the soil again, and they put more seeds out for a different 
harvest of a different fruit or vegetable. And it's the process is amazing because they, in their farm wisdom, know when to do this, when to do this, but they are constantly preparing the soil and, and doing whatever farmers need to do for that harvest. And it's amazing. I mean, who knew that they could just have the soil just keep keep producing whatever it is they, they plant in it. Um, it's incredible. Um, and sometimes people go to the store and just like, oh, you know, I'm gonna buy this for dinner and they go home and they don't think about the process that uh, farmers go into getting that produce uh, to the market. It, it's, you know, God's word is better than just this produce we see that we can grow and eat. His word bears much fruit if we just allow it to. Come in, all good stuff, all good stuff. Let's keep reading uh, progressive steps. <coughs> in Mark 4, 16 and 17, Jesus talks about this second type of person that hears, that heard the word of God. And these are they likewise, which are sown in stony ground, who, when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness, and have no root in themselves, and so endure but for a time. Afterward, when affliction or persecution arises, ariseth for the world's sake, for the word's sake, excuse me, immediately they are offended. Now, before we look specifically into this second type of person who heard the word of God, let me make another statement. This parable also describes progressive steps toward fruitfulness. The Lord clearly describes four different types of people's hearts and how the Word of God interacts with their heart to bring forth fruit or not. I believe he was also describing four different stages toward fruitfulness. First, you go through a stage where you hear the Word of God, but your heart isn't set on it. You aren't seeking after the things of God. The word goes in one ear and out the other. That's the first type of person. The second type of person gets excited about the word, but they don't have root in themselves. The end result is they don't bear fruit either. Right. I don't have a lot to say here because he's really just uh, working himself up to his point. Uh, you know, we're talking about the title of this chapter is being rooted and established. You know, and I, I can concur. I think there's different ways of looking at this parable. And one of the ways is that Andrew's describing this parable, the parable that Jesus has. Uh, if you don't understand this parable, you won't understand any parable. You know, you can look at the parable of the seller as its progressive steps, where the, the first one doesn't want, it really is, has no relationship with God. It's not interested. It just, you know, it's, it's kind of like the, the guy who we've been describing. They just don't, are, don't have any interest in God until... You know, it's hard to teach someone who, who is not interested. It's like it's like seed falling on the pavement. They're just not interested. But then we have the the guy, the second guy, who or the second person who the the seed, the seed is just fall, is falling on stony soil, uh, and he describes it this way: where they get excited about the word, but they don't have any, any root in themselves. The end result is they don't they don't bear fruit. You know. I mean, going back to Sherry was describing these farmers, you know, uh, that we see in the outskirts of our town here in Camarillo, California. And, you know, it, it takes time for that seed to harvest. It's amazing as we drive by, because we don't drive by every day, and we don't even drive by every week, but we see the progress over time. 
And it's really just, a, in one sense of the word, it's a really short matter, matter of time. It's just a few weeks or months before there's a harvest. But there's a few weeks and months before there's a harvest. It didn't, it's not like they were sown today and, and harvested tomorrow. There's a few weeks and months before the harvest. You know, and someone who just became born again, someone who just heard the Word of God, they might be excited about the Word of God, but we got to get established in that. You know, Sherry gave me a, a, a passage of Scripture today from Deuteronomy that really spoke to, I believe, the season that we're in right now. And that seed can either just fall on the pavement, you know, she wrote down the verse of the Scripture for me, and I can either go look it up, and, and, and I did look it up, or I can... And that, that's the first step, you know, it, it can't take any root if you don't even do that. But I, my, my choice now is to, do I just read it and move on, or do I meditate on that word? Do I chew on that word, kind of like a cow chews its cud, you know, meditate. And, and, and I think there's some other levels to, that this can go. But I'm trying to get that word in my heart. I know that I've heard that scripture before. I've read that scripture hundreds of times. <coughs> Excuse me, but in this, but I'm trying to get that seed to take root in my life in this season here, the here and now, and it's going to take. I need to plant that seed. I need to allow that the wash that seed by the watering of the word, and I need to meditate. I need to sink into the soil of my heart and meditate on that, mold that over, so that seed can take root, and so. I can let it just stay there on the surface level and be choked out by the cares of this world. It's, it's great to be excited about God's Word, but you need to take the words that we're speaking, the Word that we're trying, we're, the Word of God for yourself, and you need to mull it over, and you need to meditate it, and you need to receive it. And it takes time for that. It doesn't have to be a long time where it takes years and years and years. Some seed that might be the case. Maybe your seed is like the bamboo plant. We have some bamboo in, in the outskirts of our area. We've seen some recently in some of the areas where we, we have traveled recently. You know, my understanding, I forget the time period where bamboo, but it, it, it doesn't take off right away. But when it does take off, it grows because it has a good, it's established. It has a root system, kind of like a palm tree and other trees of that nature. They're just established. And so you might not see a lot on the surface, but there's a root system. And that root system is key, you know. And so, but, uh, so this, this, uh, we can go a lot deeper. We are going to go deeper. But this second type of soil that we're looking into, it's not like the pavement. They're a little, they're one step ahead of the pavement. They're not the good soil yet. They're excited about God's word. That's awesome, you know. When the first person wasn't excited at all about God's Word, this person is excited about God's Word. But uh, there's also not fruitfulness yet because they need to get God's Word in their heart and you get rooted and established. And, <coughs> and sometimes people can't get rooted and established because they got all these rocks in the way. You know, we talked we talk many times where we were planting a new garden uh, and some plants and flowers and shrubs and, and, and redlands. Uh, and we had a house in redlands that we lived at. And we wanted to do it. And we got permission from the landlord to, because it wasn't our house, we got permission to uh, plant some, some uh, new vegetation there. And uh, 
and we tried to, and I, I put the shovel in the ground, and actually it never went in the ground. It just bounced right off because there were so many old roots in there. I know that doesn't speak much to stony ground, but this was a, there were so many roots. I had to go in there and get those roots out, and it was a long process to get those roots out. I had, at the beginning, I had to just chisel to just get around these roots so I could get in there and dig them out. Uh, there was no way I could even get a shovel in the ground, let alone plant something. Nothing was going to grow there. And it, it, it took several weeks for us to get those roots out. And then we put some new soil, we mixed it in with the old soil, and we planted some flowers and plants, and it was beautiful. But it was a process. And some people, you know, they're excited about God's Word, but they are also got all these other things going on. And we got to, we got to, like a plow, we got to break up our, our unfallow ground. You know, and so... You know, these farmers, even though they might have planted, uh, I don't know, strawberries one season, but now this season they want to plant corn, you know, they're going to have to plow that ground up and prepare it to, to plant corn. And, uh, and there's all different reasons why they do that, different harvests, different seasons. Also, I've heard that, you know, if you plant the same type of vegetation in one area for a while, it's good to plant something new in that uh, every so often, uh, you know, and so... But I'm not talking so much about farming, but farming is a principle that God, God talks about how the kingdom of God works. And so, uh, anyway, it's just, uh, we, uh, we're talking about the second guy who we need to be grounded and established in God's word. And as a pastor, that's my heart. In one sense, as a pastor, that is my job to help you get established Rooted in God's word. I can't do it for you, but I can help you. I can teach you. I can guide you. I can pastor you if you are willing. We're not going to see the results overnight, but we will see the results over time if we will allow us to, to teach you. You know, you can't just in one Facebook uh, message understand everything I teach. I can't complete the process of pastoring you in one teaching. It's a starting place. And when some of you, this is not the first time you listen to me, but there is a season. You know, we've had people come to our church and they, they started out well, they were excited. And before I, you know, before I felt like the season was done, they were like, let's go do ministry. Let's go do it. I was all for them to go do ministry. I wanted to send them to go do ministry. But it was premature. They were not established yet in God's word. They were not ready to go, especially long ranger. I, you know, the disciples spent three and a half years with Jesus before they started the ministry. Paul did the same thing after he was converted. Spent three and a half years in Damascus before he really started his ministry as Apostle Paul. You know, I'm not saying three and a half years is the magic number, but I believe it's, it's, it's a very, uh, I think it's a healthy number. And I believe once that's we're all going to keep being a disciple, but there needs to be a season where you are grounded and established before you go out there footloose doing your own thing. I think it's dangerous. I think it's immature to just go out there and do something without being pastored. I'm not saying that you can't do something along the way. I'm not saying that at all. At that same point in time, I believe there's something very important to being established and rooted in God's word and who you are in Christ. And that can't, I, I can't do that one time. And I can't release people in just a few weeks to, to, uh, uh, to go do that with my blessing on that. 
I'm not saying you can't do some things at work and, 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 and in the environment that you are in, but to go into full-time ministry and to go into uh, whatever without being established. And I don't think it needs, I don't think it should, I, I think sometimes five, ten years is too long. I'm not saying you could, it's not okay to still be a student at that time, but at some point, you know, the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 5, the end of chapter 5, uh, the writer of Hebrews says, by now you should be teachers, but someone still has to teach you the first principles. I think there needs to be a time when we mature and we become a teacher and not always a student. But there's a lot of people, they have not taken the time to be properly discipled, and so they've been a student all their lives. They've been immature all their lives, spiritually speaking. And I believe that we need to grow we need to grow up, yes, but there's a process. Just like if you if you drop out of school, you know, it, you're not going to be able to go to college. You're not going to be able to do certain things because you didn't finish. You dropped out midway, you know. And so it's the same thing spiritually. We need to be matured and grow up and, 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 to, and that's a process. The thing with God's Word, and I, and I know we're pretty much out of time, but God's Word isn't you learn it one day or whatever time frame like Dave was, was saying. Uh, and then you have an ending point with God's word. You are to learn for the rest of your life and to stay teachable and to renew your mind all the time in it. Um, but you know, <coughs> Dave uh, referred to our garden back in Redlands, and it's funny because I was going to actually talk a little bit about the gardens that we've had before we moved here. We, um, we had taken a, a plot of ground at our last place that we had eyed for a while and we had hemmed and hawed over it because there wasn't any uh, irrigation for that. The, the rest of the yard had it, but not that one plot. But that plot was really the only place in our yard to have a good garden with good sun. Um, but when we when we de decided to do something about it, we took the time and we tilled that ground. We uh, bought good soil to mix in with the soil that was already there. We dug it up and we mixed it and we made it uh, just right. And then we planted seeds. And before we moved, it, we could have taken a picture and sent it to a magazine, I think. <laughs> Maybe I'm just being prideful. But that garden was thriving. <coughs> Excuse me. That garden was thriving. We had uh, different kinds of squashes and, and tomatoes and what all we had, but it was it was like picture perfect and fruitful. Those plants were were bearing fruit and um, it was great. When we moved here, we don't have a lot of <coughs> place for a garden, but we had some some big pots that we said, okay, let's at least start some seeds and have some vegetables. Uh, but at the time we didn't, for whatever reason, didn't go get the good soil to, uh, to help. Uh, all we did was we took some, some soil we, we found in our yard that hadn't been watered or taken care of and was just, I mean, it was rocky and yucky and, but that was, free dirt. So we used that dirt to, to use for our, these pots and 
it was the saddest looking garden. I, I'm sorry for even bringing it up because it was pitiful and nothing, <coughs> nothing bore fruit except for one bell pepper plant that said, I don't care what kind of soil this is. I'm going to bear my fruit and I'm going to bear my bell peppers. And that thing kept, even when we stopped uh, taking care of it and we're neglecting it uh, because of time and just like this garden is kind of worthless right now because uh, we didn't do it right. That thing tried its hardest to bear fruit and it kept going for, oh, the longest time. But the other plants, they like, it was, it was so sad. The, the squash would like start to bear fruit and it just, they would just start shriveling and dying on one end of the, of the zucchini or whatever. The, the eggplant uh, started out looking beautiful but never went past getting blossoms. And it all boils down to what this parable, what Andrew's been teaching, what Dave's been teaching, what I'm trying to communicate about having the right soil for these, these seeds to bear fruit. I mean, Jesus' heart for in John 15 and in John 17 and in different places is that we would bear much fruit. He, Jesus wants us to succeed, but we do have a part to play. If, like we've talked about our different gardens, we did have to get the soil ready. We, we need to get the soil of our heart ready so that God's word can just bloom and bear fruit so that you can get seed from that fruit so you can put, plant it and bear more fruit so that it's a continuing uh, increase of a process and this effortless change, you know, I, I can, I've tried to do things on my own and I've been so frustrated. I've, I've tried to have a better attitude. I've, I've tried this or that and I just, I end up falling on my face. But when I let God's word in my heart and my focus is on me, it's now it's on God and his word. That's when the effortless change comes. That's when people will approach Dave and I and say, hey, there's something different about you. And when we've tried to do things on our own, people are like, that's cool. But when God does it, this effort has changed, people are like, wow, I want that. Amen, amen. Well, we're out of time tonight, and so we'll pick this up again next week. Uh, we'll have Bible study this week on Wednesday at 7 o'clock. And again, we apologize for those of you who missed us the last couple of weeks, but we're back in the game. And so uh, we'll see you Wednesday night and then again Sunday at 11 a.m. And so uh, anyway, God bless you guys. Have a great week, and uh, we'll see you on Wednesday.